Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. everything we need. And the phrase everything we need is pulled out of 2 Peter 1.3, which says this. It says, God's divine power has granted us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Everything we need. That's a pretty big statement. Uh, everything we need is found in relationship with God, that he gives us everything we need by his power. That's, that's a lot of stuff. I don't know about you. Um, when I was growing up, my grandma loved as seen on TV ads. Anybody see, you know, see that you miss those maybe? Um, but yeah, you'd watch an infomercial and she would just get sucked in. And she would be the first one to call for that like free gift. Or, but wait, there's more. Because she firmly believed that she needed whatever they were selling. And it was funny. One day when I was in high school, I went over to her house. And she lived across town. I went over to her house, went into her garage. And she's got piles of gardening stuff and kitchen stuff that she's never opened. And, and I was like, Grandma, what, what are you going to do with all this stuff? Should I get rid of it? She's like, no, I need that stuff. And um, apparently she didn't, though. And, you know, we have trouble in our culture believing, like, some of these, some of these uh, things that seem too, big, too good to be true. Is God really everything we need? Is it, is it but wait, there's more? Um, is God really everything that we need? That he would provide everything we need in life, in work, uh, in, 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 in providing the very, all the details of our lives? Like, that's a big statement. That is a big statement. And so during this series, we've been in it three weeks now, we're, we're, we're looking at this idea that, that, that relationship with Jesus, that through Jesus we have power for life for everything that we need. And we're, we're looking at what that means for us. Because if we believe that, that has some major implications for how we live. If, if our relationship with God, if our relationship with Jesus is really everything we need, that has some major implications uh, for how we're living our lives. And so today we're going to focus on, on a specific need, and it's a, it's a need for home. And what I mean, mean when I say home is not necessarily a, a physical address, a house, an apartment, whatever. It's not a physical address, but there's a soul need for home. We all have a soul need uh, to, to feel at home, to be at home. There's a, there's a deeper sense of home where, where, where we, uh, we, we see home as a place where we're provided for, uh, where we have rest, um, where we're affirmed for who we are, not what we do. You're not an employee when you go home. You're a son, you're a daughter, you're a father, you're a mother. You, you, it's the place you belong. And we all have that that sense of needing that place to belong, that place where we get our energy from, that place where we can truly rest. And while God promises to give us everything we need, we have a problem. While he promises to, 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 to give us that rest, we have a problem, is that we are restless. We are restless. What I mean by restless is that we, 
we might experience that place of rest, but we don't know how to stay there. Would you agree? Like we experience God in one area, but then we, we don't know how to stay continually connected to God. And that's a problem, right? Anybody feel that in their lives? That, that there's moments where you feel attached to God and, and excited about what God is doing. And then there's other moments where you feel kind of separated and you question whether God even cares. You know, we have this, this restlessness in our lives. And, and, and some of that is brought in by just we live in a, a world that's just trying to survive. And we, we, uh, we have different struggles and, and, and different things. Um, there's a great picture of restlessness in the movie um, Pursuit of Happiness. Has anybody seen that movie, Pursuit of Happiness, with Will Smith? I love Will Smith. Uh, great actor. Um, but Will Smith plays uh, the part of a guy named Chris Gardner. And Chris Gardner is a, uh, he's, he's an entrepreneur in San Francisco. This is in the 1980s. Uh, Chris Gardner puts everything he has in on this investment of selling medical equipment, basically door to door. And this totally backfires on him. And he ends up losing, uh, losing his family. He's caring for his son now by himself. Um, and eventually he loses his home. All the meanwhile, he's trying to, trying to um, uh, build into this inter- internship thing that, that he has with the stockbroker. And uh, there's a scene in there that really captures this idea of, of restlessness. It gives us a picture you know, there, there's, a, there's a scene where um, Will Smith and his son, they've, they've been traveling around the subway for hours because they really have no place to go. And they finally pull up at this station and they're sitting on a bench and his son is like, Dad, where are we going? And, and you can see, like, he just, he, he has no idea. So he, they, they play this game and, and he tries to make light of it and they end up spending the night in this um, in subway station bathroom. And um, they're staying the night here, and his son is asleep, and he's just sitting there. And then someone starts banging on the door. Someone starts banging on the door, and you can just see, and Will Smith did this beautifully, but you can just see this character just break because he has no place to rest. He's tried to do it all. He's tried to carry it all, but now it's all failed, and he's, he's, he has no place to rest. He has no place to go. And that's really a picture of what we experience in life is that we can, we can try and, and push and do everything we can, but we can fail to experience that, that home, that sense of, of belonging and care. And it can be a continual restlessness that we struggle with. Without experience, experiencing home on a soul level, uh, we strive and we stress and we struggle. Ecclesiastes 1.14 says, um, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and is striving after the wind. When we just try to do it ourselves, like we just, it, we're striving, we're striving, and, and it's like being on a hamster wheel, like we never really accomplish what, what we're, we're hoping to do. It's interesting too, like when we try to build that security and belonging and sense of purpose for ourselves, the smallest thing can knock it down. Um, I follow sports, and just yesterday, the, the, uh, the NCAA came out with all these allegations about different basketball programs, and um, the head coach of the Arizona Wildcats was found, like, wiretapped, and they found out that he was offering a player, like, $100,000 to come to the school. And what the commentator said was that um, his career is just over. 
It's over. All of this stuff that he worked for and, and, and sacrificed for and tried to build, like it's just over like that because of a mistake that he made. And sometimes in our lives, you know, we try to, we try to build stuff up, but the truth is whatever we build is flimsy. It's flimsy, it's unstable, and it doesn't end up satisfying us the way that our soul needs to be satisfied. And so sometimes our solution, if things aren't going well, our solution is to just, just work harder, to do more. Like if I'm, not, if, I'm not, um, if I'm not doing enough like at work or at home or for God, I'm just going to do more and do more and do more. And we stress ourselves out doing that. We, we stress ourselves out. And every time I've just tried to do more, I always burn out. It always leads to burnout. It's not sustainable. And so today we want to look at what is that answer for this restlessness that we all deal with? What is, where can we find this source of rest that is complete and whole? And so today we're going to turn to uh, John 15. We're going to look at what Jesus said to his disciples there. And this is part of what they call in, in the Gospel of John the farewell discourse. This is sort of Jesus' parting words with his disciples. You know, Jesus had walked with his disciples for three years. That's a long time. And I don't, I, I don't know how to relate to that, walking with Jesus for three years. I, I guess you could equate it to like walking with Superman for three years. And, and it's like you never have to worry about anything. Uh, you know, there's all, you, 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 uh, you know th- these guys are learning all this stuff. They're seeing all these miracles. Uh, it's just amazing. And they just get to take it in for the most part. They're learning and they're, they're experiencing this um, firsthand with Jesus. But now Jesus is about to go suffer and die on the cross. He's about to leave his disciples and, and go on. And so this, this discussion that Jesus has here with his disciples, it's, like, it's sort of like passing the baton. If you want to continue on with me, he's saying, if you want to continue on with me, this is what you need to know. You know, it's like this passing of responsibility from from, from one mentor to the next or from, from a generation to the next. It's that same thing. Jesus is now passing this new responsibility. You're, you're my disciples. You, you learned from me. And now you need to continue what you're doing. Apart from me, you need to do this. So there's a lot of weight to what Jesus says here um, to his disciples. We're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So Jesus gives his disciples this clear picture of what our relationship with God is supposed to look like. Um, Jesus is the true vine. He's the true vine. He's the, he's the real source of life uh, that we're supposed to connect to. The fact that he calls himself the true vine means, means that there's false vines, that we can try to attach ourselves to different things uh, to try to create life, but they're all dead ends. Um, so Jesus is this true vine, and then his father, God the Father, is the master gardener. He's the, he's the guy with the plan. He's, he's the one who plants and waters and prunes. Um, 
You know, he does all of that. And, and, and he, he really makes that, that vine and those branches, um, tends it so that they come alive. And then so his disciples are those branches. His disciples are connected to the vine, and their purpose is that they would bear fruit is that they would bear fruit. And, and, it, and it talks about how, how God, this master gardener, like he prunes, he prunes the branches so that they would bear more fruit, so that they would maximize the fruit that they're producing, that God's a maximizer. And he's trying to, he's trying to prune those branches so that they can, they can bear as much fruit as possible. And I love that because that means that God is trying, even using the painful things in our lives to help us bear as much fruit as we possibly can, to be as fulfilled in him as we possibly can. And, uh, and that's what, that's what uh, God does here. It also says, I don't want to skim over the fact that it says, those that don't bear fruit, he takes away. And Jesus says that, and it's intended to create some tension for us. That's not a easy statement. What does he mean there? Well, right now, I just want you to sit in that tension, and, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of address that in a bit, um, but we'll, we'll come back to that. So keep that tension. We're going to look at verse 4. He says, uh, abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. That word abide or in some translations, it's remain. It literally means to make your home in. To make a home in. That's what the word abide means. It's to make a home in something. And so Jesus invites us to make our home in him. Jesus invites us to, to be at home in him. He asks his followers um, that they, they would just live with him, make, make their home him, make their source of rest and strength and, and everything uh, all about him. And this is both spiritual and practical, that, that no matter what circumstance we live in, our real source of identity and hope and purpose is all in Jesus because he's the source of life. He wants us to be connected into what will really give us life. And that's him. You know, we can try those other vines, but we know that they won't provide life, that they will be dead ends. They won't ultimately provide the rest that we're looking for. Uh, where, where when we, when we uh, connect ourselves with Jesus, we have the true source of life, the true vine. This is the awesome thing uh, about what this is saying. The awesome thing is that we have a constant invitation into deep community with God. We have a constant invitation. God is constantly inviting us to connect in the vine. That, he, that we, would, we would connect in the vine and be fruitful and grow and be his disciples. Um, it's through God's grace that we allow, even when we mess up, we get to come back and, and, and connect with God. And we get to find a life that's complete. A life that's complete with love and provision and rest. And our whole life, everything we do can just flow through Jesus. Our decision making, we struggle with decisions, but we can say, your will be done. Our decisions can flow through Jesus. It's also an invitation into security. There's no other security. We can't build something that will make you feel secure, secure like connection with Jesus. There's no other place that you can find real security. 
And that affects the way you live too, because when you live in security with God, when you're in community with God, which is a pretty cool thing, um, it allows you not to look for that home or that sense of belonging anywhere else. One example of this uh, was when Bonnie and I got married. Um, I realized very quickly that we were both imperfect, and I couldn't look at Bonnie to complete me. It's just that we weren't designed for that. But when I realized that, that I, when I realized that I'm complete in Jesus, then I can be allowed to have an imperfect wife, and she can be allowed to have an imperfect, very imperfect husband. And uh, that's it's a it's a good it's a good thing when we experience community with God. We don't have to look for the perfect solution elsewhere. And if she was here, she'd have a very more vivid story. But she's not, so I'm off the hook. Uh, um, but that, you know, that whole thing about loving your enemies that the Bible says, like, man, how am I supposed to do that? So, but when you're in community with God, you're secure enough to, to pray for your enemies, to not look for people to be perfect, but, but pray uh, for your enemies. So... We're invited into this security that goes deeper than, than life circumstances. A true source of peace and rest when, when life looks really rocky. I think the one, one great example, if you want to see what, what connection with God looks like um, in, in, in this really amazing illustrated way, just read the Psalms and you can see how David interacted with God. And um, there's a Psalm, Psalm 56, where David's in this like immediate like danger situation. Um, I guess he's in a, it says he's in a, like some kind of danger with the Philistines. I don't know if they're trying to kill him or whatever, but he's, he's nervous about it. And uh, this is what he says in Psalm 56, 8. He says uh, to God, you've kept count of my tossings. Um, you put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? David just had this insane amount of confidence. And I think the reason for that confidence is that David believed and trusted in a really, really big God. A really, really big God that actually would cover him in every circumstance that he could find himself in. Big enough to kill lions and big enough to kill giants. This is David who just, he trusts in this really, really big God. And sometimes in my life, I make God so small. Like, you know, I don't know if he can handle all the details uh, that I'm struggling with right now. But David gives us this picture of a really, really big God that can cover everything we need. That didn't take, take away his nerves. As you can see, he's, he's tossing around in his, his bed at night. He's, he's crying, but he knows that, that God sees that, that God is with him, that God knows how much sleep he got last night, uh, that God knows like, how much emotional energy and how taxed he is because of these situations. Like God knows that because not, God's not just a big God in ability. He's a big God in love. Too. He, he loves David intimately, and he loves us intimately too. And that's the type of relationship that we get to walk into uh, when we're connected to God. So a good question is, do you believe that God is big? 
Do you believe that God is big, both in his ability uh, to work in your life, but also in his love for you? Because that's the God that we need to believe in, that we're called to believe in. And here's, here's the beautiful, one of the beautiful parts of this verse. He says, you know, abide in me and I in you. Basically, when I make my home in God, he's going to in return make his home in me. That's pretty unreal. That's pretty unreal. For God to make his home in you means that you don't have to do more. Uh, you just have to be in relationship with God and let him change you from the inside out. That he, he changes who you are from the inside out. Um, I remember a season in my life where I, I finally got serious. I would say I got serious with God. Like I finally took my relationship with God seriously. I grew up in the church in high school and I kind of wavered back and forth. But when I, when I got to college and I got out on my own, that's when I really started to pursue God uh, 100% all in. And I remember... There was something weird that happened when, when I started to pursue God 100%. Um, I started to get excited for no reason. Anybody feel that? Like, you ever get excited just for no reason? Like, I would just look at what God was doing, and there would be times where, you know, so I just, I drove this old blue Ford Tempo, and I'm driving from, from, uh, college back home, and I'd just be driving, and all of a sudden I'd be like, yeah, God, woo! It would just bust out, and uh, it was just like, you know, tears, and it just spontaneous, like, thanking God, oh man, thank you for all this, cra- you know, crazy stuff. It was like an eruption, and, um, you know, I didn't, that's the hard thing. I want to stay in that moment. You know, I want to stay in that moment where it's, where I'm, you know, filled with joy and experiencing God in a real <laughs> a real everyday um, everyday experience, but it's hard to stay there, right? It's hard to stay there. There's stress that comes in, and there's life gets more complicated, and all these things, and they kind of, they can tend to squash that. They can, they can tend to um, keep our focus off of God and onto whatever, uh, whatever crisis that we're facing, but go back to that moment, and, and that's what I think of when I think of God making his home in you. When, when, when you have um, community with God, when he changes you from the inside out. We talk about fruit, and that fruit is internal fruit that, that becomes external. It comes out from what God is doing inside of you. Um, I think... You know, just we, we know the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of us know the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. I mean, that's, that's the work that God wants to do in you. Uh, listen to this list in, in Galatians 5. Um, Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit, our connection with God, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what God wants to do in you. That's what God wants to create you to be. He wants you to be loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, and self-controlled. He wants to create that in you. And then when he creates that in you through his love, it naturally spills out into making a difference in the world. And we all want to make a difference. Um, But that first has to start with an internal change. So let's continue on in chapter 15. 
um, here Jesus brings up a problem. Um, he says, I am the vine, uh, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you need anything tattooed today, or if you need anything to remember, remember those words, for apart from me, you can do some things, nothing, right? You can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. It's pretty strong language. That's that's pretty strong language. That's the tension that I was talking about earlier um, when, we, when we talk about what does it mean to be you know, cut off. Um, I want to talk about the problem here um, before we kind of address that. The problem is that we wander. All of us are restless and we wander. We, 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 we struggle with staying connected to God because we live in a world that is distracting and enticing and um, it can easily get us focused on other things. And so we wander. And so Jesus illustrates that problem that if, if we remain in him and we make our home in him and we stay there, just stay connected, we'll be fruitful. Um, but if we don't, if we let the worries of the world and everything else affect our lives, then, then, then we wander, we'll be in, in, in trouble. And um, as, we, as we look at this, I think one way to describe it is this. Our wandering, whenever we wander from home, it leads to withering. That our wandering leads to withering. We dry up is the biggest thing. We dry up and we're ineffective. God wants us to be effective. God wants us to be uh, potent uh, as Christians. And when we stray off track, we become ineffective. When we don't spend time with him, uh, when we don't seek him, we can easily become ineffective. And that's strong language that he's using in John 15. Um, it's a difficult image to digest. And um, all I know for sure is that I don't want to be cut off, whatever that means. I don't want to be thrown into the fire. Um, some, some people disagree on this, what this means. Um, some people say it, it doesn't, it means it, it's really focusing on your effectiveness as a, as a disciple, not on salvation. Uh, to that point, I would, I would bring up uh, 1 Corinthians 3. Paul talks about our work in Christ and says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, uh, but only as through fire. So, so I'm going to leave it a little bit in tension there, um, but if you're curious about it, uh, dig in a little bit more later. But whether, whatever this refers to, I think we need to live with the tension of Jesus was saying, because at the end of the day, I want to be fruitful. I want to be effective. I want to be a disciple. I don't want to wander and neglect my relationship with God. I, I want to be alive. I don't want to be withered. Are we agree? We want to be alive. We don't want to be withered. And so when we get off track, the beauty is we have each other. Like if you are in relationship with each other, what the, the purpose of that is to always call us back to that pursuit and connection with God. It's to always call each other to, uh, back to, back to the, the main thing, which is that relationship with Jesus. Um, so I'm, I'm all about um, small groups and, and groups of all sizes just staying connected and, and, and community because the purpose of that community is to help us uh, stay focused on Jesus. Um, 
because we live in a world and a culture that constantly wants to pull us away, constantly wants to pull us away. So we need to do everything we can to, to keep focused. Uh, you could describe it this way. Um, the, the struggle of our culture is, is this. The struggle of our, our culture is this. Uh, we're tempted to live fast or flat, uh, lose focus, and be left unfulfilled. Uh, we have a culture where things are fast. Uh, we, we work fast. We eat fast. We got, you know, like how many myriad of fast food restaurants? Um, we drive fast. At least I do. Anybody else want to admit, confess this morning? All right. Does it feel good? Uh, uh, we drive fast. We live at a fast pace. So sometimes we take that idea of fast and we bring it into our relationship with God. Like, I want, I want a fast food version of a relationship with God. I want, I want to grab it out a window on my way to work. And I've done that. You know, you, you get in those modes where every prayer is like a desperation prayer. Like, you're going into work and you're like, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but help me out, please. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> you know, you get in those modes like, okay, I just need, you know, I got two minutes, God. Like, let's, let's I, need, I need prayer on, on your way out the door. But God would call us to slow down a little bit and be intentional about our relationship with God. That, um, that, that, that God uh, li- living, being at home with God takes more than two minutes, than three minutes. It takes uh, a full in uh, relationship. I was really challenged. Um, at one point, I, uh, at one point I met a, um, a Bible student from Africa. And um, just hearing him talk about his culture was really convicting to me. He said, you know, in my village where I lived, um, you know, we had, this, we had this season where everybody was hearing from God. Like everybody was experiencing God on this deep level. And I didn't really feel that. And, um, and so I was discouraged because I wasn't experiencing what everyone else was experiencing. So I went up on a hill above my village. And as I was praying for four hours... I was just like, four hours? Whoa, I don't know if I can do that, man. Just uh, give me the fast food version, you know? Um, But he's praying for four hours. He said, I finally heard from God. I just thought about that. I'm like, I don't make that kind of space. I don't have that kind of time. Why not? Why don't I have that kind of time that would just spend, uh, enjoy spending time with God and listening and praying? And uh, we, 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 sometimes our efficiency gets in the way of what God wants to do. And the, the, the problem is with living fast um, is that we lose focus and we can be left unfulfilled. We all want to be fulfilled in life. We all want to experience some level of fulfillment. And here Jesus is saying, this is it right here. If you want to be fulfilled, just stay connected to me. Like if you, the answer you're looking for is right here. It's pretty simple. Like just stay connected to me. So I want to look at the, the la, or, uh, verse 7 here as we get close to, um, close to wrapping up. It says, uh, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. 
abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. You know, as we look at Jesus' words here, do you hear his heart for you? Do you sense what Jesus wants for you? He wants, he wants to give you anything that you wish. The only way that that happens is if we're connected to Jesus. He wants his father to be glorified. He wants you to be fruitful. Like these are all things that, that when I see, I want. But, but our lives, you know, when we wander and stray, we, we, we neglect our relationship with God and, and we're left withering. But I hope you're with me in, in not wanting that. In choosing a connection with God over a connection with anything else that might get in the way. And today, this is the, the sermon in the sentence. If you had to wrap it all up, you know, we talked about a, this cure for restlessness, this, this continual restlessness that we have. And, and it's, it's simple. It's just this. Uh, the cure for our restlessness is letting everything rest on Jesus. That's it. The cure for our restlessness is letting everything rest on Jesus. Just make your home in him, whatever you're struggling with. Just, just bring it to him continually. Just stay there. It's that simple. Like we get, we get caught up a lot on the how, like how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Well, just, just stay connected with God. He will show you. Um, this week, uh, you know, we had... We had people in this church, we had these major obstacles in their life, and then God just changed it in a second. You know, with a phone call or, or, or someone stopping by, it just it changed. The thing changed in a second. But God wants us to bring all of that striving, that stress, that search for identity, that, that need to belong, that need to be affirmed. He wants us to find that in him. And that might mean changing uh, changing the way that you live. It will mean that. It will mean changing the way that you live. Um, to, to make time for God. You know, we make time for the things we value. And if we value our connection with God, we need to make time for God. We need to just make time to listen to God, to pray, to read, um, to take that time in the quiet to, to pursue God. Because... Uh, someone told me recently, like, you need to be selfish with your time with God. Like, if that's your source of life, you need to be selfish with it. You need to be selfish with it. And uh, that's true. Like, we, we do get consumed or want to take care. I'm, I'm sort of a people pleaser, and so, like, I want to keep all the plates spinning, and I don't want to let anybody down. But, but God is saying, no, you need to neglect some of that sometimes just so that you can spend with me. We need to rest everything on him, stop wandering, and make our home in Jesus. And we're all invited to do that. We're all invited to do that. And that end result, this is the beautiful thing, the end result that, that Jesus wants for us in this is joy. It's joy in all circumstances. Jesus is saying we can have real joy, um, which is, I think, the ultimate expression of fulfillment. Like if you are, if you are experiencing joy... It's, that's fulfillment um, in relationship to him. That's the ultimate reason for him wanting us to make our home in him so that we can experience the joy that only he can give.
I want that. I want that joy. I want to stay in that place of joy. Even though, like David, we'll go through times where we're tossing around and, and life is difficult, um, we, we can still live in that place of joy. Um, as you guys probably know, um, Billy Graham passed away uh, this week. And uh, Billy Graham obviously is this household name, this amazing um, preacher. And um, what's cool about him is that he, he had a really simple message and, and, and uh, lived a simple life. But he, he, that's what he called people to. He had a simple relationship with God that God used to change the world. And he shared the gospel in a simple way that God used to change the world. And it was all about living in the love of God. And um, he, he, put, he put this message out um, a couple months before he died. It's kind of his last message. And he gave a quote that I want to end with today. He said, Go to your knees and pray until you and God have become intimate friends. He said, I cannot describe to you the joy and the peace he gives as a result of that daily routine that you have. For this guy who God used to do amazing things, it all came down to being intimate friends with God. It all came down to being intimately close to God. And because he was intimately close to God and he experienced the joy and peace that only God gives, God used him to change the world. When he spoke, people believed him. And uh, that's what God calls us to. So I want you to be, be challenged. Just be close to God. If you don't hear anything else, just know that God wants to be close to you and to be close to God. Let's pray. God, we, uh, God, we are wandering people. Lord, we have trouble staying focused, God. Lord, we have, we have trouble um, connecting with you. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to enable us and liven our hearts that we would, we, we would connect with you in a real way. God, that you would help us to connect with you on a deeper level. Wherever we're at, that you'd help us to take a step in. And Jesus, we're all imperfect. We all um, make mistakes. But Lord, I pray that you would pick us up this morning, Father. That we would know, God, that we're a son or a daughter of you. God, that you, uh, you love us completely. You love us without reservation. And that, Jesus, you'd even die to, to, to be connected with us. Lord, I pray, God, that for everyone here, that, that, that we might experience the, the, the level of connection that you want us to experience. Lord, I pray that, that you would pour your life into our hearts, that we would be fruitful. That we as a community would be fruitful. And, and so often I feel withered. I feel dry, God. Would you, we, we feel dry. We, I pray that you would pour your life into those dry places. I pray that you'd pour your life into the places where we're withered, God, where we need life. Lord, you're the only source of life that we can find. You're the only true vine. So Jesus, I pray for, I just pray for us today, God, that you would meet us. Meet us in that place. And, and Lord, for those, God, for us who have maybe never experienced a, a connection with you, I pray that you would lead us into that place of connection, God. That, Lord, that, that, that we could respond and say, Jesus, I want this. 
Lord, would you, would you make us alive, God, maybe for the first time. So Jesus, we're thankful for you and all that you do.